0: Welcome to Behind the Smoke podcast. My name is Sean Walcha from Cali Comfort Barbecue, and I'm here as always with my man Derek Marso, Valley Farm Market. Hello, hello. What's happening? We're uh, we're out out in the field today, huh? We had to
1: come out, man. We had to uh, make a trip and and make it make it work. So it's uh, it's great to be out here, and but it's. Uh you know, it is what it is. <laughs> well,
0: you know, part, part of uh, the coolest thing about doing this podcast, uh, we started this podcast to go behind the smoke to learn more about business that really, the, the shit that really happens, kind of like the voicemail that we heard. That was my former business partner uh, that we opened up the restaurant with. And, you know, back when I was young, I didn't realize that some people are full of shit.
1: Oh, dude. Absolutely.
0: Some people. And sometimes most people are (laughs) bullshit. Most people are bullshit. You know what? That, that, um, that is very true. And, you know, back, back when I did open up that restaurant, um, you know, I learned some very expensive lessons. And one, one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is anybody that wants to open up a business or that wants to learn more about, you know, really what happens, uh, that's why we started this no it
1: it is i mean the the war stories that we have you know we've been in business for 61 years in my family and three generations three generations and now now it's just me um but I mean, the war stories that we that we go through every single day—it's not just this, you know, beautiful concept that people think. Oh, it's just you're you're rich, you own the f- own this business, and, and everything's just butterflies and fucking flowers. It's that's not how it is. So <laughs> you don't sell fucking
0: flowers. I don't. I don't. <laughs> butterflies, we do though. You do sell butterflies. <laughs> well, uh, we are we're so fortunate um, today. We are up at the mighty 1090, uh, which. For those of you that listen from around the world, Mighty 1090 is the boomstick radio channel um, that broadcasts all the way from Mexico all the way up to Orange County. And if you know anything about sports, if you know anything about sports media, then you know who our guest is. Um, He is also a CBS football sideline analyst. Um, He has been holding down the Mighty 1090 with uh, BR and uh, we're here with Scott Kaplan. Welcome to Behind the Smoke. Well, uh, thanks for having me, and welcome here. I, you know, for me, we
2: broadcast from a radio studio every day. You yes. Know? And, and I love the mobile abilities, the flexibility of podcasting. And I said, you know what? Let's not use our radio stuff. Let's sit in the middle of our common area here. You got all the sales guys working over here. You got promotions team over there, production and broadcast behind me. And so, you know what? Let's add a little life. To this place today.
1: I I love that. It's it's organic. It's organic. We're going to see the people, talk to the people when they walk by, see what they're doing. It's pretty cool. That's what
2: I think. I mean, these guys are, sales guys are hustling back and forth. You're going to see, you know, if somebody's close to doing a deal today, they're walking, (laughs) they're pacing, they're on their cell phone, they're kissing somebody's ass, you know, trying to get money.
0: Well, so one of the things, I I've, I've always admired about you is the way that you approach radio from a business standpoint. So Thanks. you just said that we sit here we're in the middle of the Mighty 1090 mm-hmm. and we have the marketing side, we have the sales side, we have the production side. All this shit doesn't happen unless all these people know what the fuck is going on. Right. Is that right? That's right. So tell me a little bit about and that. And it's
2: hard. And and let me just say this cuz you know you talk about business war stories, mm-hmm. it's freaking hard, dude. It's hard. Um in our business in in traditional media it's gotten harder. And in our town where, and Sean, you and I know because we were together on a lot of this stuff, as we fought to try and keep the NFL here in San Diego, we're fighting for our professional lives. Whether you own a restaurant that's a sports bar and you depend on you know, pro sports or college sports to bring people to you, uh, or if you're a sports radio station where you need sports yes. to, to entertain people. It's part of your livelihood. right, Big time and And so, fighting to keep the chargers in town was not just about me personally or you personally. No. it was about the whole community and I think right now, in particular as we're getting ready to start the football season uh, we are we are all still trying to figure out what the loss of the team
1: to the market means um,
2: and how it impacts our businesses
1: yeah yeah for for us, we were always um you know, fortunate on the Sundays that we'd be busy. I have a grocery store and it's more of a gourmet grocery store, but we barbecue the, the, you know, steaks all the time and people would come in when they were good. I mean, it was booming. Yeah. But I'll tell you what though, when they sucked, it wasn't as good. No, it I know good, it, it's so. a,
2: it's a religion when an NFL team in any town, when an, or, or anywhere around the world, you know, it could be your, your local soccer team. Sure. Um, it doesn't matter when your team is hot, your, your city goes crazy for it. And we all experience that. And and then we experienced the lows, which was the team being bad, and then the the talk of of the team moving, and then the lowest of the lows, perhaps, is the team actually moving, or maybe we haven't reached rock bottom yet, and we will during the season. Yeah. But but from a business standpoint, yeah, it's it's still tough because, um, you know, guys are trying to figure out, you know, what are we selling now? Yes. You know, I have had people tell me they go, dude, I haven't listened to you guys. In uh, since the day the Chargers announced that they were moving out of San Diego, and I'm like, "What do you mean you haven't listened to us?" And they're like, "These are these are tip in 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 radio. A person who is like your standard listener who fits right in your target demographic. He's a P1 listener. These and are that's P1 what, what's your listen- age range on fr- that from twenty men twenty five to fifty four years okay. old. That's our sweet spot. You know, men eighteen to sixty four is really the the wider net, mm-hmm. but the sweet spot is men twenty five to fifty four. I have a guy fifty years old rabid sports fan, season ticket holder, strong opinions, listens to 1090 every day of his life, all of a sudden has gone away for the last three months. Wow. Because he said, dude, I, I don't want to listen. There's nothing to talk about. You know, I'm like, there's, I don't know about you guys. I'm never at a shortage for things to talk about. <laughs> right. Shit, fill, I fill four hours of airtime every day. No right. fucking you know? problem. I find, I find things to talk about.
0: So what, I mean, this is a very, very unique situation. I I think one of the one of the things that is difficult for us um, as a restaurant, we—the only reason that we're even fucking sitting here—is mm-hmm. because we got an opportunity. That opportunity came two years ago when Alvarez from Bolt Pride and Johnny—they both—they—I was with Save Our Bolts. Johnny called me and he said, "Hey, you know, Tilted Kilt—they're supposed to be up at Mighty Ten Ninety. We're doing this kickoff party with Scott Kaplan and with Billy Ray, and you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to make it up there. Can you guys come up?" And we're like. Fuck! I'll, we'll figure it out and we'll make it happen. So we made it happen. We came up here and we participated. We had a fucking kick-ass time. Great we time. brought barbecue. Yeah. you know, we hung out with Bolt Pride. You know, we had this amazing time, and that started a relationship. Yeah. you know. So it's when you go and you make a commitment or you do something out of the ordinary. Sometimes opportunities open up, and you know that was one step. The other step was us actually participating in Save Our Bolts. Mm -hmm. You know, Save Our Bolts, like you said, it's not about the radio station. It wasn't about you. It was about, we want to keep a fucking team here in San Diego. You know, we started the San Diego Love Letter Challenge and, you know, you guys were so gracious to have us come on the air to help promote that. And that was not about the Spanos family. That was not about, you know, the Chargers. That was about San Diego keeping a fucking team here, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have We're transplant city. We have people from all over the NFL map that come here and shit. That's one of the reasons the Chargers got so many, you know, away uh, teams that would come out and they would come out. And if the Steelers played sold out, Patriots, Patriots, Green Green Bay Packers, Packers, Cowboys, you name it.
2: Right. Even the teams like the Dolphins. Yeah. I mean, Miami Dolphins, they're not, they have a hard time selling out in their hometown. Yes. And yet they brought 25,000. I don't mean that they necessarily came here. But, but they're they they living here. They, they were wearing the aquamar- aquamarine colors and the orange colors, and they were visible.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: Very. They
1: come from all Southern California. They're going to be close. They come down and, and watch the games and support their teams. I mean, hopefully we'll see how, how San Diego does if they, if they want to go back and support the Chargers. You know, if, if that's going to be something where they can go up to L.A., it'll be really interesting, like you said, to see. I'm still well, i still trying to
2: figure it out. You know, I was just telling these guys um, you know, yesterday on the air, I was saying that, that when you look at um, Twitter – or Facebook, or Instagram, but spe- really more specifically Twitter, and Facebook. If you look at those two platforms, any content that I know we put out there that's Charger related is always met with venom, yes, right.
0: and anger. We see it. We watch it. And
2: it's it's five to one angry versus supportive.
0: That's generous. Yeah, right. I, I mean, it was probably nine to one. Yeah. I mean-
2: but but you know, even just this past weekend, watching these old Charger players mm-hmm. celebrate over at Del Mar. You know, look, that's a marketing scheme, right? Let's face it. I mean, that, yeah. that's a smart marketing guy saying, how do I bring more people to this venue? Let's put on this party for the Chargers. Let's take advantage of this opportunity. But there were passionate people out there still rocking their jerseys and their hats and their costumes and their face paint. Cause that's, that's what, that's what they loved.
0: Yeah. That's who they are.
2: And they can't give it up. It's like a drug. They just
1: can't give it up. Yeah, It is is what it is. It's it's like a drug. It is a drug. You you want to get away from it, and then you're like, you just get sucked right back in. And those people that still will be
2: sucked back in, whether they are fans or haters. They could be closet fans too. Right. (laughs) Whatever they may be, they're going to come to us this football season, and they're going to say, for all these years, I've depended on you guys to... Get me through my football season. Yes, to have fun during the football season, and they're going to still come to us for that. And and listen, the Chargers, as an example, can can say they're in L.A., which they're not. They're in Orange County, and then they're going to go up and they're going to play in Carson, and they can hire a guy on L.A. radio who's a talk show host to be the color or the the play by play guy, and hope that. He goes and tells the L.A. sports radio audience how great the Chargers are, and then they can keep a guy like Nick Hardwick, who's a former player, and, and they can keep him in the booth so that he can come back down to San Diego and he can tell his audience how great the Chargers are, and they're trying to play this marketing game, the Chargers. Yeah. But in the end, um, people who are Charger fans, followers, haters, whatever they may be, they're still going to come to our show this year Sure. because that's what they are expecting. And and, I think
0: they're going to come to the show because of one thing. And it's something that we talk about in this podcast. It's authenticity and the listeners, people that follow you, people that come to his store, people that come to our restaurant, they're going to know if you're full of shit or not. You know, we're not, we're not trying to pretend that we're not charger mm -hmm. fans. I mean, we're all fucking in, you know, we're so in that, you know, I have four tickets right in the end zone. I'm going to be up there at StubHub. I can't wait to bring my son there when I, when I can go, I'm going to be in Canton, um, you know, we're not bullshitting around the, the fact that we are Charger fans. We've always been Charger fans. We worked so fucking hard. We spent money. We spent resources. We spent time to try to keep the Chargers in San Diego, not just as a business, but we did it personal for personal reasons. So you, you cannot
2: give up on the team. No. Even though they've given up on the city. No. Yeah.
0: Not at all. And, I mean, there's, and, because, and there's a lot of people there, who because, feel like that. Because the problem is, is because we were so involved, we saw – all the ugly parts of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw all the things I love San Diego. I'm such an advocate for San Diego, but we saw so many things that aren't cool about San Diego.
2: But did you also feel because you were, you were also close to the the team? Yes. Did you also feel like I saw the ugly part of, of the city and city government yes. politics and all the bullshit that goes with it. Did you also feel that when you talk about authenticity, that the chargers were truly
0: authentic in no. Their, okay. No, not at all. Okay. I mean, be, and that's the problem. Is it? I mean, you're talking about the NFL. It's a billion dollar, you know, enterprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they don't have to give a shit. Yeah. And like that, that's the reality that we live in. No, you know, this, I, so
2: the richest guy gets his way. Yeah. Which there, is why there. I said it the year before that's, that that Kroenke was going to get LA and the Rams were going to get LA because Kroenke had the money on his side versus the Chargers or the Raiders. He was getting his way and he got his way, and and in the end. The guy who didn't have money on his side ultimately was Dean Spanos because, because what, what Mark Davis did is he went out and found the money. Yeah. You know, he, Mark Davis didn't have it either, but he leveraged it and he, he got the state of Nevada and he got the Bank of America and everybody put their money up. All he put up was his franchise, sure. which is that, that's what he brought to the table. But, you know, I, I, I guess in the end, I'm so disgusted. By city government yes. in San Diego, not current, not, not exclusively current, but even previous city government. I'm disgusted by city government. And I'm, I'm also angry that I feel that the Chargers, uh, I never believed that they wanted to leave.
0: I agree with you. I, I never believed 100%. that. 100%.
2: And, and now there's at least some form of evidence that would have you believe that they were not authentic, ultimately trying to get to where they went. Sure. I still don't believe that. Sure. And I'm not going to buy that.
0: You know, at at the end of the day, there's so much that goes on that we weren't, we thought we knew, Mm -hmm. you know, with being a part of Save Our Bolts, you know, being going down to the mayor's office, meeting with Kevin Faulkner, meeting with city government, talking with you. I mean, you know, John Spanos, I played football with him. He's one of my best friends. You know, talking to him and trying to get an answer. You know, talking to Jim Trotter. Jim Trotter's telling me they're leaving. You know, he's told he, yeah. told, he told me the whole time. He's like, "You're fucking nuts." And he, but everybody at, told me the same thing, and at at I just would not d- give up. I, I wouldn't would, give I just up. I wasn't going to give up. Yeah, I wasn't going
1: to give up either. And you know, I thought it was a pawn. I, I always thought it was a pawn that they're just going to say it and use it as a pawn just to get what they wanted. And I
0: never thought they were going to leave. And then, well, I mean, if you t- look at t- it so. from just a business aspect, we've talked about this all the time. Just for us to go and open up a new restaurant, mm-hmm. a new Cali Comfort in mm-hmm. Orange County, mm-hmm. that's a fucking monumental task. Like for us. Us to get that open like forget about moving an nfl franchise getting a training facility open opening up stub i mean you're talking about so many fucking moving Dude, par- move the mighty why, 1090 up to up to la and yeah. see, see how much work that's going to but, be but
2: that's why i think and and i know uh you know it's it's kind of a vogue thing right now as we're getting ready to start the nfl season and all these uh so-called experts or opinionists or whatever are all going to put out content about this upcoming season and it's it's vogue all of a sudden to think that the chargers are going to be good Um, people think that you know they're going to get over their injury crisis and um, there's going to be a buzz and an excitement for a new team in a new city I would tell you having been around the Rams last year in only one week uh, this was early in the season I was doing a game for CBS and they were playing Buffalo Uh, oh by the way 90,000 people in the LA Coliseum of about 40,000 were Buffalo Bills fans. Sure. So the Chargers and the Rams are both going to experience the Southern California phenomenon sure. of other teams' fans right. potentially taking over their stadiums, particularly when they're not good. Uh, all of that being said, though, the move was brutal for the Rams. It didn't matter if it was halfway across the country, if it was two hours or, or three hours. Or televised on Hard Knocks. And, yeah, <laughs> it, right. it, it, it's the Chargers between their facilities, their training camp, the move the settling down the the rivers is going to keep driving from san diego to to orange county every day you know you've read these stories about black players not being able to get rental properties i'm just telling you all this shit will ultimately manifest itself on sundays on the field and unless there's a uh, one of those cliche us against the world mentalities in that locker room and it works and guys stay healthy a chance in all likelihood given the circumstances in year one I think they're going to have a real hard time being much better than they've been in the last couple of years, which has been a four
1: win or a five win team. Yeah, so we, take, we've done it, in like in you know playing my whole career, and it's when you go somewhere else and you're playing somewhere else and it doesn't feel like home. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to get adjusted. You have this comfort of of your hometown and and where you're from. You know, I played at Kansas State, and you know when we had to go and to bowl games and different things, it's like man, it was it it took it out of you. You know, you're you're tired and you not know just what shoot you, expect. the
2: player. The equipment guy who had to pack Everybody. it up, Everybody. the trainers who had to pack things up, Absolutely. the coaches who had to who had to you know study film in in hotel rooms rather than in in their offices. Yeah, Sean, I didn't know you played football with John Spanos. Was I did this yeah. high school ball, high school football. Yeah, I don't, in all the years I've known you, I, I've never heard you talk about that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So I, John and I, we both uh, we played basketball and football together. Was John, this at La Jolla at, Country Day at Bishop's? Oh, at
2: Bishop's. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we only first.
0: had we only had 20, 26 men.
1: He was one of those <laughs> those bishop we, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was one of those
0: bishops guys. We had, we never came off the field. It was all three teams. Wow. So special teams, long long snapper, inside linebacker, Jeez. strong guard. <laughs> what did John Spanos play? Uh, John was a slot receiver, and he was also a cornerback. Yeah, he's actually he. John was a scrappy, scrappy guy. That's why yeah. we got along well. I mean, we were both undersized. I mean, we weren't going to play fucking K State football like this guy or. Play on the Chargers. So, but, uh,
2: I, so this is like a perception thing, but if if you went to high school at Bishop's, how did Cali Comfort get down to Spring Valley?
0: Isn't that a great question? Because <laughs> well, see, my we gra- drew him in. Yeah, I <laughs> know, right? Well, we well my my grandfather, he's he's a Bulgarian. He was born on a village. He was against all odds, became a medical doctor. World War Two. He immigrated over to the United States and you know, one of the most important things for him was working hard. So he, after his medical practice, instead of retiring, he started investing in real estate, real estate, residential real estate. He purchased a land out in spring Valley and that eventually became a restaurant. And as a family, we ran that restaurant uh, from 94 till about 2002. Uh, it was just breakfast restaurant. And I was like, I had to go out there when I was like 13 years old and bus tables. I fucking hated it. Mm-hmm. All my kids were, all my friends are in La Jolla. Mm-hmm. They're all, you know, playing <laughs> basketball. The They're all bullshitting, you know, going to the beach. and Is that I'm, where you,
1: did you live in La Jolla?
0: Lived in La Jolla. Yeah. Oh, he so lived that. on the fucking water.
1: I just, we were driving by there the other day. He lived right on the – wide. you know, he would always tell me, yeah, I lived in La Jolla. And you know, I'm like, okay, like maybe <laughs> – Like La Jolla, La Jolla, not, not fucking area. UTC. Yeah. Yeah. And then I drive Jolla, by. He's like, well, I'll show you where I grew up. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So
2: you grew up – I didn't know this. I mean because – Bird rock. Know, Like I, I, I would – it would seem to me that if I owned a restaurant yeah. and especially had something that is so unique yeah. like, you could, like you do that I would want to take that product – And brand and take it to where the most money is. Yes. So that I could make the most money. Um, or at least that would be my thought process. And when I look at, at where the restaurant is, it's in
1: sort of like a like a, an We're industrial very area, un, very unassuming yeah. part of town. That's very that's what our story is too. It's, it's yeah. hard to. to De- get people Derek's in shop there. is
0: one one mile away from us, but they've been there for sixty two years. Yeah. I mean, they've they've been the anchor for the community.
1: Because but, I, I
2: wonder if people come from all parts of town. We, to we get, made
1: ourselves a destination location. so I, I, when I took over about ten years ago my dad was still trying to be a, a grocery store and we we can't we can't be a grocery store the commodity stores are going to whoop our ass when it comes to pricing they're going to get four pallets of fucking toilet paper i'm getting one box i can't sell for what they can sell it for so when i came in when i got done playing football and selling some insurance i said you know what i'll come in as long as i can put my you know, my touch on it. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay. So I became a specialty store. So specializing in things you can't get anywhere else. Speciali- specializing in like high-end meats that, um, you know, you can't go to Albertsons and get. My dad went to Greece for a month vacation. Like the first month I was in there and <laughs> I spent like $10,000 and bought it, brought in USDA Prime Black Angus beef. Mm-hmm. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, when he got back, I showed <laughs> well, yeah. him I showed him the invoice. Yeah. He's like, You gotta be fucking kidding me. How are we gonna afford that? I'm like, well, I paid for it, but here's our sales. So I marketed it and then people started coming That's in. That's what I was gonna ask you. How did you get people there? Because you know can you can you count on just the locals? We we did because we live in a in a where I'm at, I'm right. By some Section Eight houses, and I'm right by Mount Helix, where I can draw down some some higher end customers. So I was really reaching those people, being out in the community, talking to them, telling them what I what I wanted to do, and they were really really receptive to it. So they started because they didn't have that exactly. exactly. Okay, gotcha. And they came down, and then it was just kind of word of mouth. All of our carne asadas have been voted you know, best in San Diego, our pokies, all that stuff. We make in-house and then that just starts to kind of get out, you know, and different than it's La Mesa and El Cajon and all these little places. And everyone starts coming. I get people from Encinitas, Carlsbad that drive down just yep. to come. Wow. stuff. Oh yeah. Wow. I didn't
0: realize that. Yeah. yeah. When data, when data Craig came out, uh, he was like, he couldn't fucking believe it. He was so blown away at Derek's story. He's like, really? why isn't there one in Rancho Valencia? Well,
2: well, and maybe the answer is because, you know, like I live up in the Del Mar area mm-hmm. and I've probably got four or five different kind of specialty stores, if you will. Sure. That, seaside. Yeah. And, and you got Seaside Market or they you got. did a great
1: job with the renovation.
2: It's fucking yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Even like a store like Gelson's. Yeah. Yep. Is, is a great grocery store. It really is. And quiet. And, but expensive as shit, it man. Is Ridiculous, fine, dude. <laughs>
1: Although – Well, they well, got fucked on their leases because they took why. all those damn Hagans. because oh, yeah. I was looking at those and they went – They, I mean there was one right by where you grew up that I yeah, was looking Bradenburg at. Yeah, um, Man, I, and I wanted was it the was the so bad. bad but but they, have,
2: they have these $20 or $10 coupons that they sit, put out in every local newspaper. <laughs> and when I'll go in there <laughs> – I'll just, I'll like find my guy and go <laughs> for you. Boop,
1: boop, 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 That's boop. Right. Next thing I know, I've got $100 off.
2: You know, but shit, everything was way too expensive to begin with. It's, you know, things are just getting back down to that Vons level. Yeah. There's
1: really another, another store up in um, Point Loma that just went in called Jensen's. I was talking to Hardwick about it and I was trying to get that store as well. And I couldn't do it because the lease was. Too crazy. Yeah. There's a place called Jimbo's uh up where I am and, and it's also
2: in a really expensive shopping yeah. center. Crazy lease. Yeah. Dirk, he, I think you he know? just took that one over. Or yeah. he might have had it for a while. But no. then even even there's like a Whole Foods up in Del Mar yeah. that used to be an old movie theater that they tore to shreds, built a parking structure, built some medical offices on top of a uh, of a Whole Foods and that store just goes crazy. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm.
1: They they do a great job. Yeah. Well now it's Amazon, right? Yeah how many billion taking over the world Amazon oh, Amazon is me. taking over the world dude it, it scared nope. me when I, I was like man that's uh, that's tough but then you know people still want that customer service too yeah. so I'll just go for that demographic that wants you know to to talk to somebody and get to how to do it right know, know who my, it is yeah. yeah
0: yeah I mean going back to your point I mean the reason why I would open up a restaurant it was opportunity you know it was opportunity that the people that I sold the property to they ended up dealing with people like that were on that voicemail and they said, you know, Hey, do you want to take over this restaurant? Um, There was a type 47 liquor license um, that came with the property and we wanted, we wanted to make a sports entertainment restaurant. You know, we wanted to have a place where people in the neighborhood, there was no other fucking bar. Everything else is a dive bar. It looks like shit. Nowhere you could take your family, nowhere you could watch, you know, the chargers game, Um, nowhere you could do fight night, uh, those things were like those things were exciting for us. We I didn't know a fucking thing about barbecue. You know that 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 was something that came just as a result of you know just really grinding we know it some out shit and, about
2: barbecue. Now, Jack, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> we,
0: we've we've learned we've learned a thing or two thanks to uh thanks to Gene. But you know, one of the fascinating things for us is the sports media, and you know, kind of. Where where we are today, the fact that we're even fucking here, podcasting, you know, talking to, you know, we're so fortunate to have people that are tuning in in Norway, people that are in Australia, people that are in Pennsylvania. I mean, for us, that's crazy, you know, and that's because of the world we live in. I mean, we we all have a computer in our pocket, and we're going to start to consume media in different ways. Um, I know you went to VidCon. Um, which is something you did because of your family, yeah, because my of your daughter, daughter. My 13-year-old so daughter. Tell, tell us a little bit about VidCon and how it kind of fucking blew your mind away because well, I've heard you talk about it.
2: And, and you know what? Um, people from around the world came to this convention, VidCon. By the way, a month later, an hour south, people came from all over the world for Comic-Con. Right? right. Um, you're so right. When you own a barbecue restaurant in a small town in San Diego County, you can have international reach with podcasting unreal or tweeting or your Facebooking or vlogging. And, and you know, for me, my daughter, who's 13, it blows my mind that she's never watching television ever. <laughs> Any content she consumes is on computer or phone. And so she's a huge fan of all these video stars mm-hmm. on YouTube. And I'm like, what's a video star on YouTube? <laughs>
0: <Right>. Cause, <laughs> Cause to me, did you, did you know there's a Scott Kaplan? A video star Scott Kaplan no, that is his own. You're fucking, kidding? me. I was, I, no, I was watching it before we came up here. It was fucking hilarious. So, so uh, is he a comedian? Because <laughs> no. I,
2: there is a comedian I, named I Scott laughing. Kaplan. I was laughing. And, and I Everybody's watched this guy, and they they bring him up on stage, and they're like, "Hey, put your hands together for Scott Kaplan." And I'm like, "They're not talking about me." <laughs> you know, it's weird to hear somebody else with your same name. Uh, so, so I, I went up to this VidCon conference, and and I guess ultimately I'll just say this: my takeaway was. I didn't know that this world existed. Yes. There are millions and millions of people around the world that are downloading videos from performers, content providers, creators, they're called on, on, on YouTube. And every time they post content and they get millions of people to watch the content, they're sharing in the money that YouTube is generating. Yes. And for me, in, in, in traditional media, that blew my mind because I probably should have known that. Did you guys know that?
1: Yes. I, now I, I that. did now. Oh, okay. yeah, I, did See, know I, that. I
2: didn't know that. But here's what I do know um, when I post on Twitter and I get 50 likes or 50 retweets or 50 comments, what does Twitter do with that? They place ads. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And guess what? I make this is jack, jack shit. So, so whether it's Facebook or Twitter, guys like me all over the country, all over the world are constantly pushing content on those platforms and we have no opportunity to make any money. On the flip side, why I'm so interested in YouTube now is because they have a mechanism in place that if you create the content, you have a chance to make money. I, schmuck, had no idea. So for me, all I used YouTube for was as storage. It would be like renting a storage
0: uh garage yeah and putting all your shit in there or like putting a picture on facebook and now facebook has all your photos right like now that's my album correct right so all exactly the ones that so i wanted i published.
2: if i if i need a picture and i want to send somebody a picture i used I, I probably go to facebook and go to my album and say well this is where it is
0: yep you know because you know you used it you right. know that was a good one
2: so for youtube what i would use it for is i'd say okay i just put all my shit on youtube And I had a young kid who worked for us at the time, who was, you know, pretty YouTube savvy. He just all he did was take everything I had and just put it on my YouTube channel. So now all my stuff is there. Well, no one's going to go look at it. No, I mean you'd have to market it to get people to look at it. I used it personally when I wanted to push a video here, move a video there, put it on Twitter, put Put it it on on Facebook. But now I'm coming to realize that what I should be doing is I should be a creating new, fresh content consistently, and b. Um I should be pushing people via other platforms to my YouTube channel and get them to watch it because instead of there being a hundred views, yes. if there were a million
0: views, I don't know exactly how much or ten thousand you start with ten thousand right. views from all you know, all the Twitter fans. Right. And but it.
2: I but I know that there's a chance to make some money. Sure. Um in revenue share with the platform,
1: I like that. Yeah. yeah, Joe Rogan does a really good job at that. He's really, really into big, big on podcasts, and he's like, I'm not going to just do a podcast. No, everything he does is on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it, you know, just draws everyone to that YouTube, and that's where he's you know getting his revenue from. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: speaking of that, let's talk about uh, Stable Wars. I mean, that like that Craig actually says that was your brainchild. He gives you proper credit where credit is due, but that was something that you know you thought of from a different aspect well for, first of all let, let's just find out about horse racing because exactly. you how did you get into horse so, racing so
2: uh, quick story um i was working the sidelines of a chargers game in probably 2003 ish like early when i mo- first moved to san diego from new york and i'd worked for cbs in new york and they said well if you're going to be in san diego we'll just use you regionally so i was doing a lot of you know charger games um you know, And they would they would eventually start moving me around to Oakland or L.A. or, you know, Phoenix. But most of it was just based here. So I'm doing a game, and I have a producer, a gentleman by the name of Steve Nagler. I just ran into him the other day. I haven't seen him in years. And um, Steve said to me, he goes, hey, do you know anything about horse racing? And I said, I don't know anything really about it. And he said, well, you know, for a young broadcaster like yourself, there's potential opportunity in the horse racing broadcasting world. You should probably learn about that. So he – took me this guy steve nagler took me to lunch with craig Dato, who's been a guest on your podcast and and craig and i met for the first time that day craig smart marketing guy thought there's nobody in local sports talk radio that's talking about horse racing if i could get this guy Kaplan to start talking about horse racing it would bring more people to del mar that was his goal (laughs) so i came to realize soon i came to realize soon that that Talking about horse racing is not really good for sports talk radio. People who listen to our show want to hear about football and maybe some baseball and maybe some like big star names in basketball. And maybe if there's a U.S. men's soccer game, then maybe they'd want to hear a little bit about soccer. But generally, sports talk radio fans listen for football and fun. Yeah, And so I I really realized – I really didn't even want to get into the broadcasting side of the horse racing biz. But I would watch these trainers and owners and all these pretty people standing in the middle of the horse ring as they walked around to prepare to go out and race. Mm-hmm. And I went, that looks like fun. I want to do that. So Craig said to me, well, do you have like a million dollars to to lose? And I said, uh, no. And he said, well – There's really no way to get into the horse racing business without a certain amount of money. But when you get in, you could actually be like owning a pro sports franchise. So we played golf with a friend of ours who said, this sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. That was his exact quote. This sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. I'll write the first check and you guys go out and raise some money. So he wrote us a check. Um, we we decided we we're going to raise three hundred thousand dollars, eleven thousand bucks. And the reason we did that is we we I don't remember exactly, but I knew we came up with a number. We're going to have this many investors at this much money. It's going to equal this much. And so everybody put in eleven thousand bucks. Don't ask me why. Todd, actually, Todd Katie was in there, right? Todd Katie, yeah, yeah. you know Todd. He's I know Todd, a big yeah. animal, right? Yeah, he's beast. a monster. Dude, <laughs> freaking guy's a beast. Right? He's a monster. Dude. Uh, even still in his late forties, this <laughs> right. guy still looks like he can play offensive lineman in the NFL. No, absolutely. So um, everybody put in their money. And we took $300,000 that first year and we started buying horses. And, um, and now we're 10 years into the business. Unfortunately, it, it's not really a business that makes us money. Um, but, but we do it for fun and,
0: and for marketing
2: and for marketing. Yeah. Uh, f- and also for other businesses.
0: It opens up. Because you're willing to risk and because you're willing to do shit that other people don't want to do, it's like, well, why the fuck do you want to do that? And like, oh, well, Scott likes to hear himself talk or he likes to see himself on camera. That's really not what it is. Like you're doing something that's opening up other doors that wouldn't fucking be there unless you did that.
2: Let me tell you, this, this 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 reality series that we produced for two years called Stable Wars. In year one, we had no clue what we were doing. We had a shoestring budget. I convinced a friend of mine who wanted to get into TV, who was a rich real estate mogul. I said, "Just put in 150 grand and let's see where it goes." He did not like at one time. He did. Um, and then he got the bug and once he got the bug, he wanted to be a TV producer and that fucked our shit up. But, (laughs) but but in year one, the producer of the show would literally call me in the morning and say, what are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm going to the radio. I'm going to, I I was doing TV at the time. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna be with my kids. uh, I'm going to come to the races. Great. We were going to hang out with you all day. And then he would have another camera crew go with the other guys that were our head to head competitors and they were going surfing or they were going to lunch or they were meeting with an investor and and then we would bring it back and we would we literally were creating a show from nothing we were we were cameras were following us they were rolling we had no script we had no choreography of any kind in year two in year two my 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 buddy my partner decided you know what I want this to be um the housewives of Orange County come to the Del Mar racetrack. So he decided we need to hire hot chicks and we need to have a, a female group. But the problem was the female group wasn't real. Yeah. Now, as you guys know, in business, we had so many legal issues along the way. Sure. The original guys from the original season, they were a pain in the ass to deal with. They thought they were the stars and they should make all the money and they should own all the rights. And they wanted executive producer titles and everything. It was a real headache. We got rid of them. We went the following year with some new people. Still compelling, still fun, but the girls and the whole concept of the girls and, and trying to add like sexiness to something that we already wanted we we thought it was organic enough we didn't really need to push it on people and so there were tits everywhere yeah and and then it just screwed our it screwed everything up plus my partner again got the bug and now instead of putting in 150 grand he put in like 750 grand so like he really went deep into his pockets to produce something that he wanted and it didn't work out the way he wanted it to work out and let me tell you something when you got like 900 to a million bucks on the line and it's just thrown away it's garbage it's gone Look, he's rich and really wealthy. He can write it off and it's not going to not gonna change his life. But for me, I felt responsible. Sure.
0: Because like, they took a risk on you. Right. This was that my was your, idea. You're pitching this right, shit.
2: Right. It was I, My idea, I watched the show Storage Wars. I was involved in the horse racing business. I created Stable Wars. Um, I wanted that to be a huge hit on like an A&E or, or – I really thought of it as being a CNBC business show. But it just – Horse racing, uh, people in network television want to stay away from it. They're worried about if a horse breaks down, and unfortunately it's a reality of the game, that it it just creates all kinds of problems for them, and they don't want to deal with it. HBO Mm -hmm. had a show called Luck. um, I'm trying to think of who starred in the show. Uh, But anyway, they had a horse breakdown in training while the show was being filmed. It canceled the show. Dustin Hoffman was the star of the show. They had millions and millions and millions wrapped up into the show, and one horse— broke down and, they, just and it, called it, it. It, they called the show. So for us, we were having a hard time finding that A&E um, and then I went and tried to hire the, the producer of Bar Rescue. Have you guys ever seen that? Oh You guys yeah. probably have like seen yeah. that. Right? And, and the producer just came back, came down and said, this is a great show, great idea. This is a great backdrop and everything and I never consummated the deal with the guy. So what happened was after two years of producing the show and after putting in nearly a million dollars of money into this show, the guy who produced it the second year he had these dreams of of repackaging it and selling it internationally, which happens a lot. Yeah, and so he ultimately bought the show from us. The, the 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 real, I guess what you would say is he he bought everything that we had, all the assets. He bought the intellectual property, the name. He bought every video that was ever shot, et cetera, and he knew it like the back of his hand. And he's now going to take these eight episodes, which he can either sell as they currently aired mm-hmm. back here. Or he can repackage everything. He's got hours and hours and hours. He could create 12, 12 uh, episodes. He sure. could create a two-hour movie mm-hmm. if he wanted to. So we 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 had about nine into it. We sold it for 450 We We took the loss. At that point, we were already on to another TV show that we were producing anyway. So for us, this was found money. And we were able to roll the new money, the found money, mm-hmm. into our our next production. So,
0: What was that next production? The
2: next production was called San Diego Prep Insider. And when I was in high school, there was a high school TV show on ESPN. You guys may remember this. It was called um, Scholastic Sports America. And mm-hmm. if you were a high school athlete that made it onto Scholastic Sports America, you were destined to be a star. Right and um you talk about playing ball at kansas state i played college ball at pitt there were two guys on my team in my freshman class that were both on scholastic sports america when i met these guys they were my teammates they were my recruiting class brothers they were stars to me yeah i always wanted to recreate that show so we did we recreated it and we called it uh, san diego prep insider we air it here in, in in san diego um although there's an app for it and um and there's a website for it and you can see this stuff anywhere But what we've decided to do this year is is we want to actually franchise it out. We think that we can have TV shows with this Prep Insider title in San Diego, uh, Dallas, South Florida, Northern Florida, Western Pennsylvania, New York, uh, any place that's considered like a recruiting hotbed. And so we want to franchise this out eventually. And so we're still trying to prove the concept. So what we're doing this year is we've moved it from San Diego Prep Insider. We're calling it now SoCal Prep Insider. And we did a deal with... Fox in L.A., so that now we get on to – we're on Fox Sports West. We're on Prime Ticket and Fox Sports San Diego. So we're on three channels with one show. Are you guys doing just football or are you guys doing everything? So so during the high school football season, we get this primetime placement. Um, Fox in L.A. with their high school football, they make it into a very, very big deal on Friday nights. And so we get the half hour before kickoff and the half hour after kickoff for our show. Then we'll re-air as the week goes on. So during the high school football season, we air weekly. When we get out of the high school football season, we air every, by, every other week. And so again, now you have three channels in two markets that are airing content that is hyper-local. And, uh, and that's now our big challenge is now we have to go out in a, in a traditional media sense to try and sell um, ad time slash sponsorship in both markets. And um and that's a task. what's
0: the social presence for that show? So
2: so these are this show is run by young people. It is for young people. You're never gonna see a guy like me standing there interviewing a high school athlete. These are all young people that are fresh out of school. And they just go nuts on social media. It's an media. opportunity for yeah. them. It's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's it's Instagram, it's Snapchat, it's podcasting hyper, hyper focused podcasting. They have a podcast this week's girls lacrosse podcast, this week's girls softball podcast, this week's girls water polo. Podcast. So we're constantly, constantly pushing Content all related
1: to high school sports. Those colleges have to love you. I mean, you're basically recruiting for them, right? And the kids love it too. Oh, absolutely. And the parents getting, love right, you, too. The the parents like, yeah, sharing recruiting videos. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had like the prep star stuff, and when you'd get like four stars, when I was in high school, it was like a big deal. You know, you're for sure gonna get a, a full ride scholarship yeah. or things like that. But that that's awesome, man. I mean, to be able to have that, have that, and get that exposure. Some kids that might not be able to go to these big high schools, but you know they're good, and give them that exposure. It's it's a, it's a blessing and
2: and it's not just like quarterbacks running backs receivers linebackers like you know sexy positions in football it's the really great deep stories that some of these kids have no fuck yeah you know and it's it's a real community feel good kind of thing but i think that ultimately if you're a big brand if you're mcdonald's if you're under armor nike these kinds of brands um, to get to this market that's what they want right they they want young people wearing their stuff and uh, and and using their stuff so to to be um i ultimately see it where if i were to do a deal with with under armor for example then i could say to under armor look this is a one million dollar sponsorship deal you are the title sponsor of the prep insider brand and we have shows in la san diego dallas miami tampa pittsburgh detroit and you're spending a million dollars to be the the title sponsor of of that show in all of those markets reaching this demographic. Then I have an attractive product to sell. oh yeah you're getting their their target demographic. Right. But Absolutely. right now I'm one show in, right.
0: in two markets. When do you think the time is going to come where that traditional media is going to start to understand that the assets that they have, like you talked about, The social assets actually outweigh their traditional assets,
1: and you should throw that shit up on YouTube too. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When when will traditional media get hip to this? Like
0: as far as radio and television, you know, because they're selling. You're you're selling time, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you 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 said your kids don't watch any TV, so I'm I'm guessing they're not watch everything. You have a DVR. They're not going to watch any t- any of the commercials that mm-hmm. they're getting put out, any of that content. They don't
2: watch anything on television. No. The Netflix is on their computer, their iPad, their phone. <laughs> right.
0: So all that money that's being spent on the t- – for TV ads, that's only going to a certain market. You mm-hmm. know, that those Nielsen ratings that they get as well as the – you know, for radio as well. You know, they're getting these ratings and they're saying, oh, well, this many people are listening. How when, – when are – When's Mighty Ten Ninety going to start to realize? Hey, it's way. It, it makes way more sense for Cali Comfort to spend money on Scott Kaplan's Facebook live feed than it is for us to do a fifteen-second commercial. Well, I, I think that because um, tra- because that, that's like the sales. The, yeah. I mean, that means the sales has to get it. The right, you know, the whole entire right. place has yeah. to get
2: it. So, so look, I mean, if it were me. If, if, if radio, if, if owning a radio station was my business, which it's not, but if it were, um, it is, you treat it
0: like that. Yes, I do. You I treat, do.
2: I treat my radio show as a business. And, um, and to me, I own that cause that's my intellectual property
0: written into your contract.
2: Yes. So, um, I think though that traditional media will get it to your question. When it when will traditional media start to understand that selling those other assets are are more attractive sales? They'll start to get it when they realize that they can make money with it. It's kind of hard right now. You're right. If if I said to you, look, um, I'm going to do a Facebook live video every day at 2:45 p.m. in advance of my radio broadcast, and I've got 15,000 followers on Facebook. I'm making up a number, and I can show you that every day. Two hundred people, on average, are engaged. Are engaged with me um, while I'm live, or or after I post the video and it's it's recorded. I keep it short enough and tight enough that people aren't going to be bored by it, and and they're not going to watch fifteen minutes. They're going to only watch three minutes. Okay, fine. Um, if I said, look, I want you to spend with me uh, two thousand dollars this month, and and here's the numbers. And by the way, if we get to some higher numbers, I'm going to ask you next month for a little bit more. And you might, you might find that whether it's product placement or, uh, or an interview on Facebook live, um, just your presence, a visit in the office, mm-hmm. you might find that that has tremendous value for you. And if it does, um, then yeah, then I think th- that these sales guys need to be able to go out and sell that. Again, traditional media, you can go into any newspaper, still exists, any radio station, <laughs> TV station. Still? Yeah, I mean, and these people are still selling the same stuff they were selling.
0: It's the same. It's the same rate sheet. They it's can't the same get it in their heads, thing. right? They
2: can't figure out that. You know what? I'm trying to sell a $100,000 annual package to a car dealer versus, you know what? I could sell this guy who owns this one restaurant. A $4,000 a month package Mm -hmm. and what he wants is not even radio airtime we'll throw that in yeah we'll throw that shit in you know but what he really wants is he wants to come to the radio station and do a barbecue in the back and have a full broadcast be about that yes and part of his package is he's going to do that what we've done yes Plus, he's going to get the Facebook
1: live videos. Plus, he's going to get the, Instagram. The, plus, right. I get
0: Twitter. Plus, right. I get retweeted. And you can
1: see all the anal- analytics on that. You, you know well, exactly who it's Yeah,
0: It's well, it, it's the analytics are what drives it is you go from I can look at our Facebook page and say, oh, we had let's say 10,000. We had 10,000 fans. And then after we did that with Scott, now we have 12,000 fans. Well, fuck. That just, hap- that just happened. That just happened. That's real value for us. But you
2: know what? I think though, and, I, and I, <laughs> it's so funny we're having this conversation because I've, I've been working on this. F- for quite a while now, this is a major problem. It's behind the it smoke, it's, it's, a, a it's a major fucking problem. problem. It's a,
0: it's a major problem. This is this is the stuff that I get from from iHeart Media. Mm-hmm. I get it from the Union Tribune. I mean, we have sales reps that they come out and they're like, "Well, why don't you put an ad in the reader?" I'm like, "Fuck you! I don't want an ad in the reader. The why reader, the fuck do I want to add in the reader? The reader, seriously? So like, I'm on any, page ninety-five right. of the reader next and, to the
2: hot shop, and the guy who who sees this in <laughs> the reader goes, "Oh, dude, oh, you dude. know what? I'm gonna drive from here down yeah, to there for some ribs. It's not gonna fucking." Happen. No, you know, it, it's so funny, though, that we're talking about this because um, about what well, I would say in December of 2016, I called Jim Rome and I said, um, I'd like to come talk to you about the business. I don't need a lot of time. I, I just I want to present something to you and get your thoughts on it. I walked into Jim Rome's studio, his office up in Orange County, and um, he'd gotten done with his radio broadcast and he kind of breathed for a few minutes and took his time. And we sat down. And I said, let me ask you one question. How much money did you make last year on Twitter? And he has 1.5 million Twitter followers. So a very healthy following. Sure. Okay. I yeah. mean, believe me, I'm very jealous of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's- Well, he eight, makes
0: $30 million a year. Right. On radio. On radio. Okay. okay.
2: How much money, and by the way, I don't think he makes $30 million a year, uh, but he may have a $30 million contract, but but he, uh, let's just say he's good for $5 million a year. Okay. For, for argument's sake. He knows this. million a year. He's making a lot of money and he's probably got a lot stashed away. And you know what? He can live a good life even if he were to be let go by radio. And even if he couldn't find another traditional media sort of opportunity. Okay. You guys got money. But what's the problem going forward in his business? So my question to him was simple. How much money did you make last year on your 1.5 million Twitter followers? What would you guys guess? Fuck. I mean, you, you see somebody who's got a big, big, healthy following million five. He's a traditional media personality. What kind of money could a guy like that make on Twitter? Well, I'll tell you the answer. Cause he, he, he offered it quickly. The answer was zero, no money, make no money, perpetuate my brand, continue to push content. But I'm, and this is Jim, I'm laying up at night trying to figure out how the hell do I monetize this, mm-hmm. you know? And I have been working on fixing that problem, sure, for the last year. How do people in my business, in traditional media, how does a radio station find a new revenue stream? You know, we're radio stations nowadays, particularly ours. They're not just radio stations anymore. We broadcast on radio, sure. we record podcasts, we uh, shoot videos at everything we do Which externally. You have to do. Right, you have to right. do it. But how do you monetize that? Is the question. And and the answer is. In part, you say, well, um, Cali Comfort, I've got a 15 second commercial with Scott and Billy Ray at Cali Comfort down in Spring Valley, chomping on some ribs going, this is the best goddamn barbecue I've ever had, you know, and that's a 15 second commercial. And there's value for you. Yes. And for us, we're, we're bringing
0: in some money. By commercial, I mean, what it's attractive to us is the video aspect. Sure. Not even the, the radio aspect. And that, but that's a different. I mean, you guys have already been monetizing on that by doing the, but
2: but not, but not to the extent that we thought. Not, and I don't mean we ten ninety. I mean yeah. we the media industry. Sure. I don't think we're we're monetizing to the extent that we thought we would in pre roll videos. Maybe CNN is. Yeah. Maybe YouTube is, but a a local uh, sports talk radio brand which has lots of visibility and has huge radio audience. I don't think we're making anywhere near the kind of money we were planning to. Sure. So there's got to be other ways, other revenue streams. And that's something that we're all trying to solve. And I think to your point, the question originally was when will traditional media get, get ready to understand that, that selling social media is a better way to go. I believe the answer is when they, when they feel when traditional media feels that it is getting a piece of the pie. Yeah. So back to YouTube for a second. If you're a creator on YouTube, you have the opportunity to get a piece of the pie. Okay. Yes. As a creator of content on you on Facebook or Twitter, do you have a chance to get a piece of the pie? I don't. No. no. Now, now maybe Lady Gaga does. Maybe Beyonce does. Maybe Kim Kardashian does because they're willing to say, "I use this shampoo" or "I use this body soap," and and maybe that company goes. Dude, she's got 100 million followers on Twitter. If we pay her $100,000, we're reaching so many more people that are engaged with her brand than we could ever get unless we were advertising on the Super Bowl and that would cost a shit ton more.
1: That makes so much sense. So the
2: the highest level of influencer on Twitter or Facebook, but more specifically Twitter and kind of Instagram, the highest level of influencer has a chance to monetize they're following yes but remember the the platform is owned by twitter or facebook or it's not owned and it's not shared youtube is shared yeah that's the plan that i've got to try Mm -hmm. and fix this (laughs) well no i
0: i mean i i give you credit for doing the things that you are doing because you know when you do your youtube your vlog from opening day i mean you you make fun of yourself in it because you're there. It's the Bella twins. They fucking come up. That I mean, it epitomizes opening day. You're behind the scenes. You're there, these two hot chicks, they come up and they're you know, you get a picture with them, and then their fucking producer comes and you're like, Hey, yeah, do you want to go on my radio show? And they're like, Oh yeah, just email me. And you're like, What the fuck? Yeah, I don't have time to email you. Email you. I'm, fucking I'm like, email. dude, I'm right here. I'm right here. These girls are from
2: here. These girls are, you know, they're again, they're trying to perpetuate their brand. Yeah. And if and if Listen, if you're a YouTube star and you've got 5 million downloads for every video and you come on a traditional sports talk radio station and you talk to men 25 to 54 who have no clue who you are, you're perpetuating your brand to a whole new audience. Yes. These girls did not get hip to that quickly enough. No. They, <laughs> well, their producer didn't. And I yeah. was
0: expecting Alex to step up and, you know, kind of strong arm them into that. But you should you see know, all the
2: raw video. It's really, I, funny. I would,
0: I would love to. And, but that's, I mean, even the, the video that you did publish, I mean, that's the shit that people want, you know, and that's
2: unedited, that's, I mean, that's the reason why we, that's why we started uncensored. this, started this fucking
0: podcast right. yeah. is like, we, we want to sit down with real people and let, you know, this is the real shit that goes on. And then, but that's why it's so engaging. You know, that's why it's so because you have the camera rolling. It's like, fuck, the horse fucking lost. Let's go. Where's Craig? Let's (laughs) get the fuck out (laughs) of here. Let's get the fuck out
1: of
0: here before the the investors come. (laughs) Even the beginning, it's funny, you know, my,
2: my, uh, one of the producers, a guy named Andrew Bureau, he's a really talented kid. He said to me, He said, Well, tell me when you want me to
0: start rolling. I go, Brother, fucking
2: roll, man. Yeah, like, right. I'm, fucking I'm, putting on, <laughs> I'm putting on the microphone, I'm putting the shit through my shirt. I'm like, just roll. I want people to see like what really happens.
0: Right. But that's you know, we had Stacey Kinney on um, one of our podcasts and she was on She's a chef. She's the right. chef, yeah. yeah. So she's a food network star, yeah. and she was yeah. also on Restaurant Impossible. You know, and and the things that we forget her name. I don't know (laughs) why. The the (laughs) thing that we talked about was, you know, on Restaurant Impossible, it was so organic and it was Mm -hmm. so fucking real and it was just it was there. And then on Food Network, it was a producer trying to produce this reality, trying to create something, you know, kind of like the Stable Wars Mm -hmm. where, you know, you're trying to force this storyline. When something is organic, people they relate better.
1: Well, your audience can feel it right? You can always feel it. I can always feel when someone's trying to manipulate me and and move me a certain way. I don't I'm not engaged. But that's but okay, so now back to traditional
2: media for a second. So you can never lie to a radio audience. There's too many people and they're too damn smart. Yeah. Even if they're idiots, they're smart. My point is you people can tell when you're full of shit, whether that's on your podcast, on my radio show, on my podcast, it doesn't matter. People can feel your realness or your phoniness you can't lie to people you just can't bullshit everybody yeah you know and that's what that's kind of been my radio philosophy forever but that's
0: that's been your recipe for success that's why you've been on radio for so long i mean you've talked about it multiple times is that People relate because you're willing to share your story. I mean, you're willing you're willing to tell people that you have four kids, and it's a fucking really hard to have four kids. You know,
2: right. you know it's funny that we're saying this. I I got I, two, I, and
0: it's fucking, <laughs> and I and I have one, and you know, it's.
2: I know it's, you have a little baby, and and you know, as as you go through life and you get a little bit older and shit changes in your life. I'll tell you guys, I've not talked about this on the radio yet. I really haven't, and um, you know, I'm getting divorced, and and I haven't I haven't started talking about it on the radio yet. And I keep thinking to myself, should I start talking about this? And I kind of think to myself as a, you know, producer and as a content provider and as someone who wants to relate to his audience and someone who wants to get the highest ratings possible to make the most money possible. What are the most real things? And I just tell you this, that, again, target demo men, 25 to 54. And again, spread it out a little bit further, 18 to 64. You know the percentage of those guys that have either gotten divorced or thought about getting divorced. Sixty percent. Exactly. It's got to be high. And so for me, I feel like, man, I should start talking about this. Man, I should Definitely. start talking. But on the other hand, I'm thinking in real life, you know, is it worth the the aggravation? you know, of, of, of hearing my, my wife of 17 years and the mother of my fortune, don't you fucking talk about that shit. On but, but, you know? but she,
0: but she knows you, nobody fucking knows you better than your wife. And, you know, that's the thing that Derek and I, we talk about all the time. And I, I mean, I talk to my friends that are attorneys. I talk to friends that are, you know, investment bankers. I'm like the world that we live in, you have to be willing to share and for you to share on Facebook, for you to share on Instagram, for you to share on Twitter, on a podcast in whatever you're doing then people, they can relate. Mm -hmm. Like The the vulnerability about it. The vulnerability. I mean, we sent out an email, email marketing. We sent out an email to, you know, all of our customers at Cali Comfort 10,000 people. We said, you know, we're so happy that we have our new son, that he's been born. You know, we've, for the last nine years, we've tried to have a family friendly restaurant. Um, Now that we are a family, we're looking at things a lot differently because, you know, we thought that we were family friendly until we go to other restaurants and realize what the fuck. Yeah. It's hard. It's like my wife, you know, she's, she's nursing. Yeah. She goes in, you need a changing hey, table, dude. Yeah. We need a fucking f- changing table. Right. Where, where the fuck's the changing table? <laughs> yeah. You know, where's a chair so she can sit down and nurse? Like, you know, those are all things that you don't know until you know. But then once we started sharing, we got all this fucking feedback. We got all this, we got so many emails, more than we've ever got, because people were like, thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks for sharing photos of your of your kittens. That's why we go into business. I mean, that's why we love doing what it's we so do. It's so funny
2: you say that because a lot of times um, when I do post on on a, on a platform, particularly Instagram, um, where I—that's generally where I'll post anything related to my kids. Um, when I do post something about my kids, the 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 person who hates me the most on radio, whoever that person may be, actually will send me love. Right, right. when I post something about family, you humanize yeah. yourself. You know,
1: yeah.
0: Well, you you humanize yourself, and I mean that's part of you know when we did the San Diego love letter challenge, it was something that you know going to. Charger fans, you know, fans that have fucking lightning bolts in their head, Mm -hmm. like they've tattooed lightning bolts, Aaron, Aaron, you know, and then you have, you know, Alvarez, you have all these, you know, people that they epitomize the NFL and the gladiator and the but then you ask them to be vulnerable but you only do that after you're vulnerable Mm -hmm. after you say, well, Hey, you know, I fucking love the chargers. You know, I love the chargers because John Spanos and I, we grew up together and you know, our JV team, he took us to a fucking charger game. And at that time I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is crazy. You know, junior sales on the field, all these things that help me remember why I fell in love with football. If you can get other people to relate to that, you can actually get something that's, you know, genuine organic, but something that actually gets people fucking excited
2: yeah i know i sent out a tweet earlier today uh with a video again back to youtube i this is shit that's just all sitting on youtube right i'm not using it and uh, we sent out a tweet today that said, you know, kind of remembering the good times. And we uh, we were we would take our cameras into our section at Qualcomm Stadium when the Chargers were really hot. And um, this would happen every game. We had the same group of guys in the same section. We had a sign in front of the section that identified them. This is the Scott and Br Great Friends section. Everybody's rocking their jerseys. Everybody's giving the middle finger to the opposing team and cursing them out and having a great time. And then. Kasim Osgood, who played for the Chargers back then, would come running over and jump into the stands so and, rad. The, That's and so do like. Rad. And, and so we sent out a video today,
1: so on
2: Twitter, saying these were the good times. Right. These were the things that brought us together.
1: Yep, you know, and it's no, those, those are those are great times. Yeah. man. I mean,
0: those are you know, those are the things that. That's why we love doing what we do and by why we continue to push the envelope and we put on barbecue championships at Del Mar. I mean, it's not that, you know, having a, a baby at home isn't enough work. You know, now we're getting ready. I mean, we're what, what, what's today? We're, we're, we're less than, than a month away, less than a month away from, you know, getting all these barbecue teams to come out to go do stuff, to engage with other people that love barbecue. Okay. So
2: there, there's a great example on a day like that what we should be doing is I got to bring out my video team. Yes. I got to walk around Absolutely. and try this and yes. try that okay. and have a great time. And, and everybody who's involved, you know, gets some branding and yes. you, know, you get to see that this guy came from here and this Absolutely. guy's from there and, and you know, Hey, I may go there. I'm going to be there. They're going to be there. I know right. those guys. Listen, if I go to a, a city and I know that a restaurant that's been on diver, diners, drive-ins and dives is nearby, it. I'm going I'm to give it a shot. Okay. Absolutely. And so this is the sort of video perpetuation of branding uh, through social platforms that we all need to keep going
0: with. Right. So where uh, where can where can uh, our fans find you?
2: Um, I would give you a couple of different options. Um, I have a website that I, I haven't really started to use that but much. You're about well, to. well, let's do it. Let's do it. Throw it's it out called, there. It's uh, scottcaplinmedia.com. And, um, and that's going to be sort of my home base. Sweet. Because like what you're saying about these 10,000 emails that you were able to send out to all of your people who come to the restaurant, I need to start accumulating yes. ways to communicate Absolutely. to my audience. Um, so scottcaplanmedia.com is one place I do have a YouTube channel, which I am starting to push and asking people to start to subscribe. Cause I am going to begin putting out new, fresh content. You gotta,
0: you gotta keep doing that. Yeah. Shit was so, it, so, it, I mean, but you know what it is? The vulnerability was the best,
2: but you know what it is that that video is on mighty 1090com Yes. Okay. It's not on YouTube. Yes. If I take that video and I put it on YouTube, I'm taking away from the radio station. Yes. So right now my focus is on is, is on really how to continue to build this radio station. So I'm happy to put all my stuff there right now, outside of radio and in my other life. Um, that's where I may start putting my YouTube videos, which I think are going to be a little bit more personal Yeah, to your sure, point. personal. So I'd say uh, visit me at scottkaplanmedia.com, Visit my YouTube channel on Twitter at Scott Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N and uh, on Facebook as well. And then the radio show is Scott and B-R-S-C-O-T-T-A-N-D-B-R. And uh, you can use the mighty 1090 app.
0: And did you uh, ink the deal with CBS? Are you going to be every every weekend now? So I did not ink that
2: deal. Um, and I was told by CBS that my role will remain what it has been, <laughs> which is as a regional reporter. Mm-hmm. And this year it works out for me because my son's going to be a senior in high school and I don't want to miss Friday night football games. Absolutely. So it's kind of that careful what you wish for because had I gotten the full season, had I gotten the big you know payday that comes with it or bigger um, – I would definitely be missing out on the high school football stuff. Yeah. So, so one of those balance things, you know. This seems bad, but it's yet funny it's how really work good. Out. Yeah. yeah. It
1: works out for right. a reason.
0: Well, we uh I mean, you've been such a great friend to us, uh, Cali Comfort Barbecue, and for you taking the time, I mean, we're here right in the middle of fucking Mighty 1090. <laughs> it's bull, funny, is how many people are walking around yeah, being like, quiet, like, like, right. like, ooh, there's <laughs> a broadcast going on, we gotta be quiet. These it's are like all radio air. people, by the way, you know? They're,
2: they're walking around going, ooh, we gotta be quiet. Well,
0: well, we're we're revealing some secrets on how they can make some more money, so hopefully, uh, hopefully they tune in, because, I mean, no bullshit, like, I can't tell you, and Derek will tell you the same, I mean, as small business owners, we get pitched by traditional media uh, all the fucking time and they're just missing the ball okay here's what i would love from
2: you though you know where you could really help me out though seriously is if you were to say to me this is what i want yes if you said to me i want your pre-roll videos on all your videos that you shoot i want um i want to be uh, i'm going to come and bring you a whole bunch of cali comfort stuff signage Mm -hmm, and stuff mm -hmm. and i want you to put it in your office because I want that product placement, yeah. so that every day when you do YouTube live video Fuck or, yeah. or uh, Facebook live videos, I can see the Cali Comfort stuff yeah. behind you. If you said to me, "I want these videos and I want this product placement," and I want, and these are the platforms I wanted to air. What you would be doing for me is you'd be helping me help the sales team mm-hmm. understand what. Why you don't want to buy traditional radio yes. ads, but
1: why you do want to use the brand I can do that. that has the audience, I can or do it's that. even more of an organic thing too. Wear a fucking shirt, put yeah. a hat on. Yeah, right. You know th- those things. It's that's really really. Well, what I mean we that, like. that
0: th- those are the things that you have done, and which is why our relationship is the way that it is, is because I mean we've we've always gone into any kind of deal where it's like, listen. What we can give you is we can give you our fucking barbecue and we can give you our service. And if you need something, we can make it happen. You know, Alex calls me. He's like, Mighty 1090, we're doing the you know golf tournament. Are you guys able to bring food? He called us within four days. I had my son the day before and I got my team out there done. Whatever you guys and fucking need, way, we're going to make it happen. by the
2: way, raving about the food because that We're going to make pork. it happen. Dude, my rabbi loves the pulled pork. <laughs> 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 it's that
1: damn good. It's like kosher. Right. <laughs> Sorry, totally fine well,
0: uh, <laughs> uh, Scott we can't thank you enough I mean this has been fucking awesome yeah. I mean, to be up no here at Mighty fun. 1090 stoked and, to be here. no, no bullshit we, uh, we, we look forward to NFL season we look forward to you getting more personal on the air um, watching your vlogs uh, following you on YouTube and definitely follow him on Twitter because he's uh, fuck it's so entertaining watching him go after <laughs> it on Twitter <laughs> oh and Facebook when are you going to become a, a celebrity page you need to fucking okay, – you need so, to switch that so here, over. Right. So here's you, the deal. You've limited out. Right. So I – You can't do that. I
2: know. So I didn't realize this. When I first got my Facebook page, I just signed up for a Facebook page. Yeah. Well, it turns out that as a, an individ, just a person, you can max out at like 5,000 yes. yeah. friends. So I have people all the time saying to me, dude, I can't believe you won't friend me on Facebook. I'm like, what are you talking about? You need
0: about? to go make it a page.
2: So now I have a Scott Kaplan – I guess it's called a public page yeah, or you're something like that. a public figure. Yeah. And I have to start – again – Moving people yes. from my personal page to my my professional page. See, mm-hmm. I'm just
0: I'm just a little tiny fish, and Corey made me do that. So you, as a big whale, you should be doing that. I don't know you got to make of that a whale, happen. But
2: I've believe me, I, I'm on it. I'm, I'm on it.
0: <laughs> we'll get on it so that uh, we can send more people to your Facebook page as well. But um, next time, we'll uh, we'll keep it going. And fuck, it's been an awesome. <laughs> <It's> we've had, <laughs> it's had a lot of blast, dude. This has been great. Thank you, guys. Cool. You got it.